Not had enough of me yet? Well, good news. You can now listen to William Hill's Upfront with Simon Jordan podcast right here. The series, hosted by me, gives you a front row seat to big name interviews discussing their career successes and failures. Sit back and enjoy. I've never done nothing wrong to Ricky Hatton. And I've got to tell you, he's one fighter who doesn't like any fighters. I don't care what he says, I shook hands with him. This is the biggest event I've ever been involved with. Let me tell you something. It's a massive, massive, massive event. The biggest event out there. Yeah. It'll break box office records. Fantastic. But it's just a money fight. If this wasn't happening, he wouldn't be fighting until next... Wheelbarrows of money coming in. He wouldn't be fighting until next... Next March. Well, Joshua's been a two-time heavyweight champion of the world. I think it's a fight. Yeah, but that, that, that's it builds like legacies, doesn't it? But that, that's, I don't agree with that. This is up front with me, Simon Jordan. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, uninformed, unchallenged opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views who think they can stand them up to proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way. And more importantly, so might you. Joining me in today's episode, a man who has spent over four decades in the world of boxing. He's promoted a host of iconic names down the years from Prince Nazim Hamid, Nigel Benn, Steve Collins, Chris Eubank, Amir Khan, Ricky Hatton, and more recently, Tyson Fury. From breaking the cartel, to getting shot, to going to the very top, Frank Warren, welcome to Upfront. How you doing, young man? Not bad, mate. Not bad. The old game changer, Frank Warren. The old game changer. Perhaps we'll talk about that this June. Well, we've changed the game. This is about you, and this is about your backgrounds. And the focus of this show is to talk about how you've got to where you've got, the journey that you've been on, and the things that you've done. Um, and I suppose it starts with what made Frank Warren, what got you into a position to be in the business that you're in. It's an interesting business. It's just one you know that I'm looking at. And my eyes are getting wider and wider the more I look at it, as you've told me. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for, yeah. Talk to me about your background, Frank. I was born in Islington in 1952. I left school when I was about 14 and a half. And I drifted into doing a few things. I worked down Smithfield Meat Market. I worked down Covent Garden. I worked in, I went up owning some pubs and nightclubs. And I was very, very young. And I also operated um, machines like pool tables, some fruit machines and so forth in various pubs and clubs at a very young age. My uh, family was quite an alpha family on my mm-hmm. dad's side. Four brothers, my three uncles and my dad, and they were, they were, you know, they were all known in the area. They were pretty tough guys. I did very well at school to start with, but I, I, I sort of stupidly lost interest in it and started bunking off school. Quite young, which well, was stupid as well, but that's what I did. Given that you, you, you're in boxing, given that you've got people in and around your orbit that can handle themselves, and also I know that you were related to Lenny McLean, yep. um, who was obviously in lock, stock and two smoking barrels, but notwithstanding that was also you know, a bare-knuckle fighter of some repute alongside with um, uh, Roy Shaw. Yeah. Any inclination or leaning for yourself to have ever gotten inside the ring? No, no, no. I never had the discipline. I used to, as I said, I was involved in clubs and nightclubs and I, you know, I used to enjoy being involved in them, you know, made money out of it and also enjoyed the being out, out and about. So I had a couple of cousins who were boxers. Yep. Lenny was the second. I was like, it, it, they weren't bare knuckle fights. They actually fought, they wore gloves. Right. And I put the, I put the second fight, second and the 
Oh, sorry, I put the third fight on the rubber match between them. I was only 20, about 23, 24. And Lenny was a couple of years older than me. Lenny was always a bully, terrible bully. He was one of those kids who was always big. Mm. And uh, he went to my uncle. They, he, he, first of all, we went to see him fight Roy Shore at a place called Sinatra, spelt with a C over in South London. And, uh, yeah, I know where that do is. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Strapman, I don't, I mean, I'll come Strapman, from it? Yeah. yeah. That's it, yeah. And uh, he fought Roy Shore and he came out. I remember that the bell went. He came out, Lenny, and he hit him and he went all over the place, Roy Shore. And that's all he did. He never threw another punch. He mm. went to the went to the corner, put his arms up on either side of the ropes, and went to him. Go and hit me on the chin. And he must have hit him about you know, 25, 30 times. And he just slid down the post. And thought, what was going on there? My uncle gave him a terrible telling off after. Say, what? What do you? You know, because we only went as spectators. How stupid it was, and that was that. And then about six months later, he went to see my uncle Bob, and he said, uh, "I've made it. There's a rematch." They want to do a yeah, I remember, I've seen the, I've seen the videos of it. Yeah, and we uh, so we um, put him with a or put him with a trainer who was uh, Freddie Hill, who looked after both the Finnegan brothers, mm -hmm. and he obviously couldn't be training somebody who was, who wasn't licensed by the board. He could train him, but he couldn't get in the corner with him. So on the week of the fight, Lenny said to my uncle, "Look, I'm told if I win this fight, there's going to be trouble and all this stupid talk." So on the night, my uncle Bob and I were his cornermen. You. Broke the cartel at the time, didn't you? There was a cartel of Mickey Duff, Terry Lawless, and Jarvis Astaire that had and everything. Mike Barrett. And Mike Barrett that had it all tied up. And it was Correct. more to do with venues, wasn't it, than anything and else? And TV. And TV. Is there anything different today? I mean, there's, there's, you, yeah. there's you and there's Eddie Hearn and his crew and there's Ben Shalom and... and Cali Sowland and Wassermans, but isn't there a little bit of a cartel mentality here? No, because we opened it up. You know, I mean, well, I say I opened it up because first of all is you couldn't book Wembley. You couldn't book York Hall. I couldn't book York Hall. Right. You couldn't book the Royal Albert Hall because they had exclusives. Yeah. And I get that and understand that. BBC did not want to show any of my fights. And ITV at the time did show boxing, but it was overseas boxing from America. They never had any domestic boxing. They had a little dabble at it and it all fell apart for them. They'd done some shows with Eddie Thomas when he got involved with John Conti, but it didn't work out. And when I finally got involved with ITV and got them, and it was Thames Television in those days because obviously they had all the different regions, yeah. and got involved through Bob, but the late Bob Burroughs, who was a great guy, that broke the mould. That gave me a lot of um, strength to sign fighters so that you are going to get some exposure I fought for live TV border control cartel we do not want live TV it'll affect the gates and they were putting on some shows that were pretty crappy at that time because they had it themselves there was, I remember the night of the Tijuana tumblers that they called and these Mexican fighters come in they lasted I think between them lasted about six rounds in four fights and the place was at the uh, Albert Hall. There was 1,200 people in there. That was it. So I got back into it. I got into it. I had to find my own venues. I had to be creative. I was putting them in hotels. I eventually got to Ali Pali where there was a tent. I booked circus tents. I had to do everything I can to find a venue. And eventually I broke down the, the, uh, the, I broke down the whole thing that I could promote at York Hall. I got eventually to the Albert Hall. It took me about 15 years to get to the Albert Hall. Mm -hmm. Wembley and so forth. And then arenas started starting built around the country. But we did, we couldn't do that. And I, and then, the, I, I mean, I was constantly at war with the board. 
you know, threatening to take them to court, or injuncting them, everything. And I won everything. Or they backed off because they knew, I thought they, at first they thought I was a nuisance and I'd go away. And I had the bit between my teeth. Because, one, because I was really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. I don't mind having a little bit of a battle every now and then. So I got my bit between the teeth and I was determined to not be bullied by anybody and managed to, as I say, to to you know to basically see off the opposition and start signing fighters which is the most important right. thing signed a lot of fighters up along the way brought joe bugner back and i got my first aussie TV joe yeah you know, i got my first tv date back yeah. off of um itv at the time and it went on from now what kind of promoter are you first of all it's a business yeah so am i going to look after myself if i can i will am i a gambler yes i am yeah i i you know i'll have a punt big punt because that's the background I came from, you know, betting. Will I do something to spite myself? Yes, I'm a bit of a, bit of a masochist in some ways. Will I pay more than I should do? Yes, I've done that. Mm. But I always look at the end game and what, what I can do and take, it, you know, take each opportunity that I can make or create or it's available and try and make the best of it. I'll tell you why I ask because it, there's a controversy follows you at times and i guess if you put yourself in the kitchen it's going to get hot at times but you've had well publicized fallouts or that's my perception of them with joe calzaghi with tony ballew with ricky burns and there is a rumor that follows you at times about that you don't pay your fighters that you don't look after them that getting money out of you is a bastard job to get when that accusation is made of you or made to you by me now in this instance. What's your reaction to that? I'd sue whoever says it. If I didn't pay a fighter, what would you do if you're a fighter or a manager and you don't get paid? Yeah, but you know how it works, Frank. We've seen it. We, no, 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 no. no, no. Pair it away from you for a second, and come, we'll come back to you in a second. We know that bloody Don King had Tim Witherspoon in the bleeding poorhouse. Uh, right? So we know it exists in America. this America. We're talking about the boxing yeah. border control in this country. You don't pay a fighter. You're caught before the board. And if you don't pay them, they take your license away. And I've seen it happen. So where's this come from then? Because it, Right, it, so your answer, let's answer yeah, everyone. Go on. Right. Ricky Hatton. I've never done nothing wrong to Ricky Hatton. In fact, I made available publicly all of the money that I paid him whilst he was with me. And it came out later that in a court case when his trainer sued him over short, according to the trainer, shortchanging him, that, um, he was being cross-examined by um, the barrister and the, the lawyer at the time who, re who represented Ricky was uh, Jonathan Crystal. Sorry, Jonathan Crystal was doing the cross-examination. Asked the question of Ricky Hatton, how much did you get for a certain fight from me? And he said, I remember that fight. It was the first time I ever got a million quid. And I'd already, they asked me if they could see what, what I'd paid him. And I gave it to him. He said, well, look at this invoice. This invoice is for £250,000 more. It's worth for a big world title fire, anything. Mm. He said, no, 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 no. That's on it. He said, well, there it is. This is the statement. It, this is the invoice, your invoice, and this is the statement proving it's paid in back. No, no, no. And it turned, and they stopped the case. They asked, his barrister asked to stop the case. Let me just, it's very it's go important. On, go on. So what happened? He had a big fallout with his father over money not being declared. With Ray, yeah. Just very, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. This is well known. Had a, it's public, you know, it's been in the newspaper. They had a fight. And he yeah, never spoke to his father. Yeah. That was over money. Nassim Hamid, and Ricky's a pal of mine now. We, yeah. You know, after all this, he came, because I, I never, 
I never dealt with him direct. I dealt with the old man. Right. So he's part Nassim Hamid, he, I walked away from him. That's what happened. It wasn't over money. And if you, there's an interview that he did on Sky TV saying, his words, not mine, I should never have left him. Listen, my experiences of you, I'm, I mean, I genuinely like you and I, I take you at face value. But I'm also, uh, you know, I'm having a conversation with you and these are things that go around the industry and I'm always interested to see the reaction because it gets said about you and people don't have the balls to say it. So I'll say it to you and you've given your reaction said to it. it. You just got my I, reaction. I got my answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've worked with some of the best fighters around. As I said at the top of the conversation, from Prince Nazim to Joe Kazagi to Nigel Ben, Steve Collins, um, Ricky, you just mentioned Amir Khan, and and now you've got the bloody biggest pest of a lot, Tyson Fury, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But who was your favourite to work with? I like work. Well, first of all, they were the best. They weren't the best fighters when I signed them, except for Steve Tony uh, Steve Collins. None of them, none of them were the best fighters. That's been matched. That'd be brought along, and right. I did that. I'm a better judge than all of them, right. in my opinion. I think I'm a better judge. I've got more. Well, if I, my age, I'm doing it now. If I don't know now, I'm never going to know. And I'm a better judge than them. And I've found and I've made some of the best matches where our guys have been massive underdogs. Joe Kawasaki when he fought Joe, Jeff Lacey. Jeff Lacey, yeah. Um, went to Naz when he went out to fight against um, Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly, smoked um, his boots. Yeah, lo, lo, you know, <laughs> I mean, just uh, I took Danny Williams out to fight against Mike Tyson, Tyson. and I told him. You asked. I said to him at the time, "You will beat him if you got. You're going to have to stand a what was left of Mike Tyson at that time. Sorry, what was left of Mike Tyson at that time? Doesn't matter for two rounds. No, it's a money fight. No, let me just tell you something. This where you're wrong again. And I said to him, "No, I'll tell you why you're wrong because you didn't let me finish." I said to him, "For two rounds, you're going to get vintage Mike Tyson, which he did. He's going to throw everything at you, and then he'll blow out. But you got to withstand that, right? And that's what he did." Anyway, you didn't answer the question. Who was your favourite to work, for, work with? I, I really did – right, I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. I, I really did enjoy working with Naz until the end when his brother got, brothers got involved, especially one of his brothers who's a complete idiot and knew nothing about the game. <laughs> and that was it. I didn't enjoy that, the family involved. I used to like working with Ricky, who for his very first fight when he made his debut for me, sold three tickets and worked very hard to bring himself through. The old man was a, pain, a regal pain in the backside. Um <laughs> Joe Kalzaki. Sit on the fence, Frank. Uh, sorry? Sit on the fence. Joe Kalzaki was was really, a, his dad was a character, but Joe's big problem was he pulled out 50% of his fights, so it was hard work. Right. He pulled out He pulled out of the, twice out of the Jeff Lacey fight. I talked him into fighting. Because Carl Froch has got the ump with you about not making that fight with Joe Kalzaki. No, he's not. Joe, let me tell you, Carl Frock. Frock. He certainly was wearing a frock when I met him. Well, he told me to call you a rude names, but I'm not yeah, going to get well, involved I can, in that. Well, I, I can give you a name back. We <laughs> met in the polo bar at the Westbury Hotel. Westbury Hotel. Right? Yes. Westbury Hotel. Sat there, brought down his financial advisor, and I said to him, right, I want to make the fight for Kawasaki. And all he kept saying to me, but he can't make the weight. He's going to go. I said, he'll make the weight. Don't and he did not want to know. And we didn't meet once. We met twice. So he's an out-and-out fanny magic merchant. And I'll tell you something else about him, which is a load of bullshit. That big, Are we setting when, scores when, here, Warren? No, yeah, because you're, I want to settle the score. That fight he had with, the second fight he had with, with George with Groves. With George Groves, yeah. I thought the first fight, I thought he was going to stop George anyway. To yeah, be honest, I think that's but right. But they got yeah. a rematch out of it. They didn't want that rematch. The only reason that rematch happened was because of George I, Groves. I agree. So yeah. he didn't want it. And if it weren't for George Gross, he wouldn't have sold oh, it. I don't know if Carl, I don't know if Carl didn't want he it. He did not want oh, it. I don't know I about that. I am telling you, he didn't want it. Maybe Eddie and didn't George want it. Gr well, 
I kept fight just saying I want that fight and and I, and we'll see where we go with it. But he did not want it. But 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 let me just say he didn't want to fight Joe Kalzaki. He did not want to fight him. And I'll tell you Well, he'll dispute that. He can dispute it to the cows coming. It's a shame Dean's not alive. But he what did he come to meet me for then? I don't know. Maybe you thought you was going to make the fight for him. I did make try to make a fight for him. I wanted to make that fight. He didn't want to fight Joe. Mm. Is he going to move up to light heavyweight? When's he moving up to light heavyweight? I said, what are you worried about that for? Fight him now. He's not like him. And that is the truth of it. And he can sit and tell you what. And I've got to tell you, he's one fighter who doesn't like any fighters. He always <laughs> does. He's slag everyone. He was so jealous of Amir Khan. He fought in Nottingham. I remember this. It's one reason he gets he don't like me. I know that. He fought in Nottingham. So I said, so I said to him, look, and, and they, I don't know what gate they did there, like three, 4,000 people in this arena. So we said, well, let's take, I want to take uh, Amir up there. And we took him up there and sold the whole place out and he had a six-round fight, Amir. Okay. Look how happy you are with that. I just find it, uh, it, 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 it was fun. Okay, well, on that line then, have you ever managed to persuade a fighter to take a fight there in the category he didn't want? I think I did that with Joe Kawasaki. Against who? Against Jeff, Jeff Lacey. Lacey. Right. Because his father rang me and he said to me, and like, this is after he would postponed the fight a couple of times and he was going to get stripped. He said to me, Frank, he's injured. He's, uh, Joe's injured. It's a Saturday. I always remember it about a week before the fight. I went, what's the matter? He said, he's hurt his hand. And I went, oh, bloody hell. I said, well, look, he's hurt his hand. He's hurt his hand. I said, but they'll, they'll strip him and nothing. But he can't fight back. And his dad said to me, Frank, there's nothing wrong with his hand. He said, I don't know what it is. He said, speak to him. So I rang him. And he was right, I'll win, it, you know, I, I like Joe Biden, don't get me wrong, but he was a right whinge bag. You know, he could be a right whinger. And so I, I said, Joe, oh, hello. Well, you know, he's all like that. And I, I thought, I said, what's the matter? Lie me yourself up. So he, I said, what's the matter with your hand? So he said to me, um, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not, uh, it's like this and that. So I said to him, well, you, don't, you only need one hand. And I would, ne you asked any fighters, I always say, you're not fit, fit. Don't fight. Yeah. You can always postpone. So I said, we only need one hand. He went, what? I said, you beat him with a jab. I said, you would take him apart. And I brought him over twice. He put twice on my cards, Lacey. And, and at that time, he was a world champion. Yeah, I remember. And they thought, yeah. and Showtime, he was their sort of middleweight, super middleweight, going to be their Mike Tyson, a tremendous puncher. And he was a, and he was a massive favourite. I'm, I'm talking about a massive favourite for this fight. So I said, you only need one hand. He went, well, I said, all you need to do, go, go, go out and buy yourself a trombone and just practice without. I said, and you will take his head off. He won't get near you. He can only, he'll only catch you. A, he can't out jab you. You're too fast for him. And as we're talking, as I'm talking to him, I can feel him lifting on the phone. He's like, he's oh, gone. you're motivated. Yeah. You. So I said to him, come. No, I don't know about that. So I said, don't tell my wife that. So he said, to, so he said, um, and eventually I've got him there. So now. Let's. Oh, I want to fight him right now. Where is he? So anyway, I put the phone down. His old man rang me back. He rang me back and he said to me, um, I don't know what you said to him. He said, but he's, he's a animal. He said, no yeah. problem. I said, you sure his hand's okay? Definitely. Anyway, so the week of the fight, I mean, all I do is keep on at him. On the night, on the, on the, fight, the fight, he destroyed him. When I say destroyed him, Absolutely destroyed. He wrecked his career. Yeah, I went to the fight. He was never the same guy. And I, and they should have stopped it. If that had been my fight, I would have pulled him out. And after the fight, we're at, we're there, and, I, and I, he takes his, his gloves on, and he's obviously south. And I said, I've got his hand. And I squeezed it. I said, well done. Never flinched. He never got the credit, though, Kalzaki, that he should have got. Kalzaki was a, if, if he. Is that your fault? 
No, it's not my fault. He keeps pulling You're out a promoter. Forty-nine and zero. People don't talk about Joe Calzaghe in the breath that they well, should because, do, should they? Well, I'll give you another example then. Why? It may be. I got him a job on kids. You know, I remember he slept there like the, I don't know what it is, the, the swap shop, whatever that was right. back in those days. And this is a kid show. You know, it's a new audience for us. He, they're going to do a big thing about boxing. He's the star of the show. Star of the show. Saturday morning, right? You've got me at the studio. He lives in Wales, whatever. I'll get a call about 8 o'clock Saturday morning. Like the wind, John. Hello, Frank. Like he has a little wind. So I said, what's the matter? He said, I'm not feeling good. So what do you mean you're not feeling good? I said, where are you? He said, I'm home. So what are you ringing me at? You're supposed to have been in London to be at the studio, and it's 8 o'clock and you're in Newport in Wales. What's going on? Oh, and I thought, I, I don't. So what am I going to say to these people? Rang them up, and they were so, quite rightly pissed. Too late to even find anybody to try and, and wreck their show. Another time was, Joe, I've got a, got a bit of advertising for you. I said, it's not a lot of money. It's Marks and Spencers. They want you to wear do their underwear, like the pants and all that. So he said, oh, I'm not doing I'm not doing that. I said, why are you not doing it? Well, I'm not walking around my underwear. I said, you're fighting a ring with a pair of shorts on. What's the bloody difference? <laughs> so he said, I'm not doing that. Anyway, so cut a long story short, weren't a lot of money. It was 10 grand, but we weren't bad money back then. But more importantly for him, it was going up in every billboard, mm. every Marks and Spencer store in when they had stores in Europe and all over the place. You remember when they was, mm. before they put, yeah. so he was going to, he was the poster boy. He didn't do it. And they did it. And, uh, and, and then from there, um, what's his name? Was at Arsenal, Freddie Lindbergh. Yeah. He wound up getting a, getting a short, he would have got that. Mm. And so what am I supposed, I stopped doing anything like that because it, all you was doing was creating promises. Not reliable, bother not reliable yeah. And it, but, a great fighter. Mm. And I'll but that was my point, not so much the endorsements, but the fact that he he kind of, he travels in a way that I think someone with that record, in terms of people's mindsets, um, he doesn't get the recognition no, you're possibly right. he should have gotten. Well, I, but that might also be because he doesn't sell himself the way he, he should. He doesn't sell himself. Yeah. He can't be bothered. Yeah. Everything was a bit of a chore. Listen, one, uh, one thing, one, the one thing about him as a fighter, he was a lion. Yeah. Once he was in that ring, yeah, that was it. I mean, he had discussion. some great fights. Yeah, he showed some yeah. unbelievable, yeah. you know, going to And you're saying what promote him. I've made Showtime take him. All our fights here, all of these fights were shown back in America. How'd you fall out of him then? Sorry? How'd you end up in court with him? It's the very last fight. Right. We had we had a contract was over. And I just said we went, met in a lawyer's, and I had one fight left for him. And I said to and he wanted to he wanted to go to the States to fight um, Jones, Roy Jones. Mm -hmm. And cut a long story short, I said to him, I wanted him to fight Pavlik. Remember Pavlik? Mm -hmm. He was undefeated and Pavlik was made for him. It would have been another Jeff Lacey fight, but he wouldn't have it and he wanted to go and do this fight. And I said to him, Roy Jones, make it your last fight and you do that back in Wales. I said, everybody would turn out, you beat Roy Jones all day long. And you do anyway, we had this meeting and we shook hands, like I said, and that was the, that was the court case, was whether there was a handshake or not. And as you know, a handshake's not worth the paper it's no, written on. absolutely not. And that so was he took you to court on the back of the fact that you had we, a handshake. And, 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 I, and what we did... Did you have a handshake? Yeah. On my children's life, lives, my grandchildren's lives, I shook his hand. I shook his hand and he's a liar to this day. If he wants to take me to court, I'm telling you now... I'll meet him there. I did that, and he knows it. I don't care what he says. I shook hands with him, 
And unfortunately, the judge said, he, he, he not even choose, chose to believe Joe, he chose to believe a solicitor who didn't see it happen. He said, I never see that happen. So he chose to believe him. And that was the end, that that was the case. Joe Kawasaki, a couple of years later, comes to my office, bringing up two fighters with me, one being Joe Cordina, mm -hmm. and asked me to sign them and work with him. I'm the guy that legged him over. I got texts from his father saying, Frank, I'm sorry for what happened. I said, and I, and I phoned him. I said, let me just tell you something. Said, it's my son. I said, let me tell you something, Enzo. If my son, I, I'd do anything for my kids, but I'd tell him what the difference is between right and wrong. And you know that we shook hands. So the bottom line is, despite the... Um the line of questioning, the the it's a complete and utter unfairness. This anyone suggesting that you don't operate in a way that's fair and equitable. Eighty percent of this crap is over about three fighters who went to Hearn, mm. and I had a contract and I sued them. And the one that went first was Bellu. We had one fight left with Bellend, one fight left with him, and then what happened was, what happened was it was for, it was a fight for the British title, and I would have won that case. And cut long story short, my son. George said, why are we doing this? What do we want to be bothered with it? So we we were we were due to go and cut, and I pulled it. And we went before the board of control still and asked him who, he, who got paid money from that case at the Boxing Board of Control. No, I put these questions to you, and we'll move on from it because we don't need to dwell on it any more than we want to because it's really easy for people to say things about people. And when, if I say it to you, you're going to answer the question. Do you right? know how many fighters I've promoted? Hundreds, Frank. How many? I don't know, hundreds. Many, 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 many hundreds. Right. So how many people you know you've fallen out with in your life? I don't out of all out. the people you know. I don't fall out of anyone. Of course not. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> who's the most, I mean, we know who's the most no. whinging fighter. No, I don't mean a whinging. He, listen, I've you call him a whinger. I had more. He won all that. With me, he had a great career. I got a letter off of Vic Wakeling from Sky saying they didn't want to deal with him. I got a letter from... Uh, what was his name? The guy who was at ITV saying he didn't want to work with him. I made him take his fights as part of a package. I knew he was a good fighter. Mm. I knew he could do this, and he did do it. Yeah, he did. He wouldn't travel. He wouldn't go to the States. It's well documented. He wouldn't get on a plane. Showtime saying to me, we need him over here, and he wouldn't get on a, He would not go there. I had to Things we had to do to get him to go there. He wouldn't travel. Who's the nicest person that you got to deal with in boxing? What, a boxer? Oh, I've got lots of friends from boxing, you know, lots lots of nice fighters I do. I mean, Naz is, is a friend, um, very good, you know, I speak, speak to him a lot. I mean, he, as I say, he's asked me to look after his boys. Um, I like him. I love Tyson. Brendan was a big, big friend. Brendan big friend, big friend of mine. We used to speak most days. And what about the, um, any good friends in amongst the other promoters? Uh, ben, ben, I'll get on the right with uh, Bob Aram. I've known yeah. Bob since I've done my first show with Bob in 1985. King, I've worked with. We were partners for about four years. Mm. For about four years. Because um, there does seem to be a lot of rancor between you guys. I mean, you've got lots to say about Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn's got lots to say about you. And I've Ben Shalom's new I, kid I, on the block. I've never met him. I've, I've only met Ben Shalom twice, um, very briefly. Um, Eddie Hearn. But you're always digging at one another. Oh, I'm, I, all I do is respond to it. I don't. You, you can't look at any. I just, mine's all response. Yeah, mm. yeah, uh, absolutely all response. But they make up. They make up their history, don't they? All this, like they're it all just tough guys. I come from a tough background. Of course, it is. I come from. I come from a tough background. Yeah, and I don't want to be in a tough background. 
you know, I don't want my kids being, my kids are all gone, being well-educated, all gone to uni. That's what yeah. I want, you know, you move on. They talk like they're, they're gangsters. I mean, you know, Barry Home was an accountant, mm. but you talk to him, you think he was one of the mafia. I mean, you know, all the fights he's had. And I mean, he couldn't, well, he just couldn't go two rounds in a revolving door, could he? I mean, he, you know, and you talk to these, talk to this nonsense. They talk such garbage sometimes and make up, make up stories about themselves, about these, I mean, was it his story, Barry? I wanted to see if he was a tough guy, so I put him in the ring and I threw him my best right hand. Who would do that to your son? With, with his son, yeah, Eddie. Yeah. And you know it's a story. Yeah. Now, because I, I mean, you know that I've had a few run-ins with, yeah. with Eddie Hearn and I'm always conscious of every time, because you and I get on quite well, and every time I talk to you, I have a different conversation with you than I have with Eddie because I can't, I can't stand bullshit. I can't stand Nor people. Me. I can't stand people that's like nailing a jelly to the wall. And you have a conversation with somebody, and you know that they're not saying something that's true, and you're trying to make them accountable for it. And what they do is they redirect. And that's why I focused on some of the things that you say because people will always say to me every time I have a conversation with you, "Are oh, you like Frank?" So you let him get off easy. Are oh, you like Frank? Because uh, you know you well, give him a pass. It's a bloody argument. Oh, sure. oh, absolutely, absolutely. Talking about the personalities of promoters, has it got? Have you guys got to be bigger and bolder than the people that you represent? I'm just myself. But no, but is it a stock no. in trade? I mean, Don yeah. King was always running around going, well, God bless King's America. A, no, it's the thing. And, it, right. Don King is a promoter of Don King. Very astute guy in his, uh, 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 the top street guy, very street guy. Didn't get into boxing until he was in his 40s when he came out of print, but a street guy. Very, you know, very fearless in business from a business point of view. He got come out of prison and changed his life. Now, some of the street he couldn't get out of him, in some maybe in some of his behaviour. Bob Arum, you could say it was a backward step for him getting into boxing. Harvard lawyer, mm. worked for the Kennedy administration, and then become a boxing promoter by accident. So but it's a tough business, isn't it? It's a tough business. But, you got, you got, but you've you know, got your boys going into it as well. I, mean, a I lot didn't of... want a minute. What I didn't realise, because boxing's a quite, a, you know, it's a time-consuming business. You're doing your work in the office, you've got a lot of travelling, but your shows are invariably on a Saturday night. And if they're not in local to where you live, London or wherever, you're travelling. You're travelling, so in a hotel, so you get home. And, and what I didn't realise, my kids were watching all this. My boys mm. were just absolutely entranced, entranced and seduced yeah. by it all. And I didn't realise how much. They all, as I said, they all had a good in education. They all went to university, done well, got their, their degrees and so forth. Francis now has probably got the best stable of fighters. Best he manages a lot of fighters, and they're very he's got a very, very good stable of fighters. Very good stable of fighters. When you look, I mean, I've I've listened, I, I think George is the smartest paint. And I think that uh, there's a lot of things that you guys do well. I think there's a lot of things that the other guys do do well as well. Um, and I wanted to ask you, I mean, despite the observation I've just made about the rancor between you and the other promoters, do you admire in any way what, what these guys are doing? You've got Eddie Hearn, that is, you know, a self-promotionalist, but he's got traction and he's got energy and currency and he's making big fights. Yep. You've got Ben Shalom, who's young and yep. brave and going to learn a lot. And I know you probably think he's got a lot to learn in the same way that you probably had a lot to learn Correct. when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And you've got Cali and his mob who were, who were over with Wassermans, who were one of the biggest agencies in the world. Yeah. When you look at these guys, is there things about them that you admire and things about them that you respect, or is it well, just all, all conflict? Barry Hearn 
he got into boxing. Him and I were partners for a very brief time in a snooker business, yep. um, which I walked away with IMG, him, IMG, our company and him, and we, IMG and myself walked away from it. And obviously uh, his, his boy, like my boy, boys are quite pri quite privileged in there. They didn't have to go like the tough background that certainly that I came from. And they've done well for themselves, you know, like, and certainly, as you say, Eddie Hearn's done extremely well for himself. You can be also be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. You sign up, AJ was in the Olympics. It was a, I mean, we were very close to doing that. We'd been, he'd been coming to my show for a few, quite a few years. And the fact we left Sky, we left Sky and went off and started doing our own thing. He, they, his agent at the time, I don't know, it's all between, they, they decided they would go with Sky, which obviously then became, um, Eddie, Eddie Hearn, and he, and you know, he, he did extremely well with him. And what we've done, we've done it the hard way. We've done it absolutely done it the hard way. Mm. Bringing fighters through, bringing fighters through, and fighters sometimes that were unfashionable fighters, you know, Kawasaki, uh, Naz, Ricky Hatton, many others. None of them went to the Olympics. Mm. None of them went to the Olympics. Didn't win any medals or anything? Different, different way of doing it. Isn't it? I mean, yours was yours was as your, as is knowledge. Yeah. Is the knowledge of the of bringing the guys through correctly, making the right matches at the right time, and we've done that, or I've done it constantly for the last forty odd years. I want to move you on to a subject that 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 I know is relevant and specific to the circumstances that we find ourselves in with boxing, which is Saudi, and it isn't just boxing; it's obviously sport, sport, full stop. And I have my view on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think every country should be able to evolve but it shouldn't balls up everything else for everyone else by the very nature of the fact that it's got more money than it knows what to do with and it wants to create a position in sport for whatever reason it wants to do it. It's, I mean, I know it, it, if you're doing business with Saudi, you're probably not going to want to ask this I'm question too readily. It's not a question right? about doing business with Saudi. It's, doing, it's, doing, it's not a good thing though, is it? I don't agree. I, I mean, we're do, we are doing business with... But they're polluting the landscape because, and, and when you, they don't, when they don't choose to do something, well, you, you, don't you know, people them. want it. You, you want it, but you want, you're saying Saudi Arabia. There's all this criticism about them, so they're coming into the 21st century and yeah. they're, they're out there. They're trying to say, right, this is our country. What have we got? We've got. got well, no problem with that. We can do. I've right. got no problem with that. Okay. Is it any different than when Abramovich came here? No, it's or just when, as bad. Or the same thing up in Man City, no. where it changed the whole landscape. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. That that changed the landscape of football. But it football got played, right? And what we're saying now is, is that the fighters have got this their eyes over here, which is that Saudi money comes to town and Saudi money pays more because it pays ridiculous money. It pays facility fees that you can't get anywhere else in the world. That's why these fights are going to happen in Saudi. And if Saudi decides, oh no, I don't fancy this, or we'll piss ball around for a year, or we won't make offers, or we'll get everybody at it, we'll get you involved in a conversation about moving the Chisora fight and maybe having the Usyk fight in Saudi and the contract doesn't come through and everyone gets their knickers in a twist. And then we get the situation happening in December where they, they talk about making a fight and everybody gets involved and Skills Challenge become involved and Usyk signs with Skills Challenge and everybody thinks it's going to be a fight and then for some reason it doesn't happen and then another three months goes past and all of a sudden that's a year. So that, to my mind makes it not a good thing. It don't make it a good well, thing, Frank. I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And the fact that the fights, what were supposed to be happening, didn't happen. You can't, you know, it isn't a good thing that they didn't happen. But that's not, but, and it's, and the expectation level and what pers, fighters, pers, 
Percy's fighters get paid. I'll get that and understand it. But one of the guys that, you, I mean, you, you know, you have criticism of him with Tyson. He's the only one out of all of them who said, you know what, I'll do these fights in the UK. Whatever they generate, they generate. It's the opposition that wouldn't do the fights. I, and that's a fact. They wouldn't do We made offers. No one's made one offer. There's not one offer to Tyson Fury this year. Not one single offer. Nothing. So yeah, but he's, uh, the, he's the heavyweight champion in the world. He's well, going to be making the offers, isn't he? Who's going to be making offers to him? He's the champ. You'll be controlling well, you're that asking, flow, I'm saying he's not, he's not saying, let's wait for Saudi. He's saying, I want to fight. Go make the offer. He goes on thing. I'll give you your 60, 40. He says to the other fella, I'll give you, mm. I'll give you uh, but six, when, when, You mean you're talking about Joshua, though, aren't you? And I'm talking about Usyk. And you can have 70, 30. But going back to the Saudi thing, and because for me... I don't have any issues. I do have issues with the, some some of the, um, the challenges in those countries, but I'm also of the mindset that each country evolves at its own pace. And we in the West don't have the right to sit here telling people how this society should evolve. If people want to do that, Amnesty International can do that and they can leverage whatever they want and I get all that. But where, where I worry for, for the sport is that if the Saudis don't want to play, they've created a situation now where they've raised the bar on the finances and every other fight from there on in is poorly paid by comparison. You're saying, well, that's great, but that's other fighters. But in what my boy does, Tyson Fury, he'll fight wherever there's an opportunity to fight for decent money, irrespective of the fact that he hasn't fought for the best part of a year. Well, he's not been out to fight because we've not had an opponent to fight. Yeah, I know, Frank. But we, no, you, no, look, you can't both. You're saying he he said to both of those guys, Wembley. We booked the we 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 penciled it. Had the first hold on the dates at Wembley, not once, three times. We booked West Ham to do the fight. Asked them, but the reality is now, is through His Excellency, and through Doctor Rakan, we've made a fight because they're all saying they can't do a fight this year. We're doing a show with them in Saudi on the 28th. Now, I know you don't like the, the the fight, but we're doing the show on that date in Saudi. So mm. there is a date to be done, and we've done it. And so it's opened a, yet another avenue out, open for fighters to, you know, make Tyson come through. Make, I don't think Usyk will come through, but if he does by by some miracle, then he can fight. Then he can then he can fight Tyson. What on 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 the show that we put together over there? Given that we're now talking specifically about the heavyweight division and moved on from the fact that Saudi, I, I maintain the view that I think Saudi creates as many problems as it provides solutions to. But it, 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 it will, let me tell you something. It will level out. It will level out. It's right. like everything happens. It you know, it's one of the problems we had with fighters before pay per view. You've got a fighter, it's going to have to go to Vegas. You know why, they, why is it on in Vegas? Because they, get, they, get, they get a, yeah. a site fee from a casino before you start. Mm. So we were up against that pay per view level. When I, I launched a pay per view with, with uh, Fury, uh, sorry, Fury, with uh, Tyson, Mike Tyson, and Frank Bruno, we'd done the first show on Sky. That chat was a game changer because then we could start doing, and we started doing lots of shows over here with. With Showtime, I had a contract with Showtime. We launched quite, we, we launched a lot of fighters' careers on there. Naz fought regularly before we took him out there. And this will this was a, this is a, sim, a slightly similar situation. But where we are now, we're we do, we're doing an event out there. We're opening up the Riyadh Festival, Riyadh Festival, which is huge. I mean, all the stuff they got in it, it comes to multi multi million pounds. All the different events, entertainment, and so forth. Talking about game changers. It. You can't possibly be telling me that Tyson Fury fighting Francis Ngannou is 
a game changer. You yeah. referred to game changers the other day. This can't be what oh, you're just explain to. why it's a game changer. We just we just now work. We we now are promoting in Saudi Arabia. Has it not a game changer? We're not reliant on anybody else. We actually are having events on. We're putting the events on. We're not sitting around waiting for. Oh, let's wait now. And, and let everybody be held up to next year. We're putting an event on. The reality is we're doing a show in October right. in Saudi. So your game changer. The change, biggest show. But and it's a game changer as far as they come. And as regarding what you're saying about is it a game changer, yesterday on Twitter. Yeah, oh, oh, well, come on. Are you going to use social media as a blueprint for making it? Well, you're that? using it. No, I'm you not. You say to me, have you seen what they're saying on social media about this fight? Kind of it both ways. No, I haven't said that. Be I've careful said, uh, what you wish I, for. No, no, no. Be careful what you wish for. I'm not, I don't give a monkey's what they say on social media about this fight. I think it's a dog with fleas. Okay. I don't think the WBC champion of the world should be in a position where the WBC give all this old fanny about he's a special kind of champion. Shall we give him it's special... nothing to do with him. Yes, they did. They said that. Marisha, well, then why hasn't he been made to have a mandatory? Sorry? Why hasn't there been a mandatory line because up for him? Because the two guys who were ordered to fight for the mandatory, not fought. Because well, they're waiting. Move them out of the way. Make another mandatory because, then. Because they're waiting to see what happened in December in Saudi. Deontay Wilder weren't fighting until then. But it's, that's why. But it's poor. Now they're negotiating. It's poor, it my Frank. Fault. It's poor, it's though, isn't it? It's not my fault, is it? I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at the fights that are being made up there. We listen to Tyson. And I know that you and I discussed Tyson on a number of occasions, and you know that I come from a position of admiration for Tyson Fury. I don't agree with a lot of things that come out of his mouth, but I do I, I do regularly campaign for the fact that generationally, I think he has the he's the best fighter around. But go, going back to the point around this fight with Francis Ngannou, what, what I want you guys to do is I want you to be honest. Right, let right? me because, be honest. Because a lot of you are not honest, right? You call it, you say one thing is this and it's not. This is not about Tyson Fury, the WBC heavyweight champion of the world. This is one thing and one thing only. This is a money fight. This is the biggest event I've ever been involved with. That's how big it's going to be. Right. It's huge. And it'll make a lot of money. Yeah, it's so just a money fight though, isn't it? Okay. Let, There's no credibility in it. It's just a money fight. Well, let me finish. It's going to have a lot of eyeballs on it. And you've got the best, the lineal champion, and you've got the the number one heavyweight in UFC. Yeah, yeah. Right? The guy in UFC decides he wants to fight. So fine, I haven't got a problem with that. For the fight's made. Sam Jones, who looked after at the time Joe Joyce, made a statement yesterday saying that Joe Joyce actually sparred with him and he had eight rounds real tough, tough sparring with him. Now, I don't know where he, I know, I've watched, I'm not, I'm not a UFC fan. I don't watch it, but I've watched it over the last couple of weeks. And this fellow does, was. and this fellow wax. Yeah, I'm sure so he does. So what's he going to do? He's going to come in the ring. He's going to get his ears boxed off well, by Tyson Fury. If, 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 right. if he does, he does. That's his choice. He's getting paid a heck of a load of money. But let me tell you something. It's a massive, massive, massive event. The biggest event out there. Yeah. It'll break box office records. Fantastic, but it's just a money fight. It's just a money situation because you got. It's Khabib, called professional well, you've boxing. Got, you've got. It's called if professional you're a mixed boxing. martial artist, right? Even Khabib is coming out and saying there is no chance that this MMA fighter does anything that 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 to Tyson Fury in this fight. In the same way, that if you put Tyson Fury into the octagon with him, Tyson Fury would lose in that discipline. So I don't mind, but all I all I want to have is. And acceptance from you, because 
because there's this constant debate. My 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 motivations are: I love boxing. I love the sport of boxing. I love the integrity of it, or my perceived version of integrity of it. Given the fact that I've come from football, I think there's very little integrity. Thank so you. when I see this kind of what I think is bullshit, I don't mind. But I want you to call it for what it is. Well, it's me, just money. I'll, I'll it's got answer. nothing else to it attached to it. There's nothing about anything else other than because you don't like the YouTube world. You don't like all that stuff. You think the Jake Pauls of the world are a bunch of nitwits. I right? don't think Jake. I think Jake Pauls a genius. You think he's a marketing genius, but in yeah. the great terms of being compared as a boxer. But I've told you. But, you, but you, we talked about that on many times on your show, and I said that the him and Tommy Fury are novices. Which they were. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I, I'm not changing what I said there, but they made a truckload of money and good luck to them. God bless them. Uh, regarding this event, it is massive. You've got the two. Let me. I'm going to let you go. Go on. It's a massive, massive event. It's, a, it, it's, as I say, eyeballs are in. Do I think Tyson will win? Of course I do. I, but then I think Tyson beats everybody. But this is my disappointment with it all because I just don't think it's becoming. I mean, are will you, you going to. No, I won't actually. I won't. No, I won't, mate. If I was going to watch it, I'd say I was going to watch it. And what I want to see and what I would love to see, and I, and I, like you, have been around a lot of significant people in our lives, people of, of caliber and people of influence. And when I met Tyson Fury a while ago, I thought, this is a superstar. He is. He came in a dressing room, and this is a superstar. And everything about him, um, from the manner he was on message to the manner in which he spoke, I said, now that's charisma. Yeah. That's a superstar. Well, has he lost it? This time last year, he beats a little bit earlier, he beats Dillian White in a four-round outclass, wiped the floor yeah, with him, yeah, right? Yeah. Then he goes on telling people he's not going to fight again. Then he goes on television and tells Piers Morgan he's never going to fight again and bets him a million quid that he don't, doesn't pay up on, right? Then he tells everybody he's going to fight 10 fights this year or in the next two years, he's going to give everybody a fight. And now we've got the WBC heavyweight champion in the world in with Thunderlips. Well, he did. He did retire. And he had enough of For it. For five minutes. Everyone knew well, he was coming back. His own dad knew I knew he was coming back. I said once he gets gets fed up with it, he'll come back. But that's how, that's how his mind was. That's it. But regarding what you're saying about charisma, why do you think he's getting paid the money he's getting paid for? Because he's got charisma. He's massive. He's he, This is Tyson Fury. Broke all box office records in Vegas for heavyweight title fight against Wilder. Broke box office records. Mm -hmm. Purse bid against uh, White. Broke... The record for a purse bid ever. You did? Yeah. Well, yeah. No, he did because he was his fight. I paid for it, but he was his fight. The Wembley broke records for any event to ever take place at Wembley. Any event on a one-day event broke all records. Netflix has got a series coming out, reality series next week. Oh, oh, sorry, next month. That's charisma. All those right. things are charisma. Book, free books he's had out. All went to number one. All of them. That's charisma. Not only has he got charisma, he can fight. Oh, I know he can fight. And that's why I'm disappointed that we're not seeing... You're saying, well, it's because we, we, we're offering these fighters and Ruiz wouldn't come over or couldn't come over and he wanted to we get paid. He wanted 20 million. He wanted 20 million and that's unrealistic for it to be achieved and so on and so forth. But do you worry? Because I've gone from being an absolute died in a wall probably slightly biased Tyson Fury fan to go and you're getting on my nerves a bit now. because Why? It's not because, his fault. Well, it is in part because I think he's difficult to deal with. I think it makes your life difficult for him to deal uh, with because uh, I think he's got over, over, over. I listen, I listen to Carl Froch, your mate, saying when I fight Kessler, I in order to make this fight happen, I'll do 50-50 because it makes the fight happen. I've got respect for the other guy. Yet 
Well, Kessler come over and had a great fight with, with Joe Calzaghe. And I understand that, but it made the fight happen. Yet we get into a situation constantly and, and, and persistently where Tyson is always on the other side of the argument where, and you're going to say, is this commercial man? Well, that's the value in the conversation. But if there's no fight at the end of it, it doesn't matter if Tyson's got 80% of bugger all, he's got bugger all out of a fight. Correct. Right, so he's now going to fight an, an MMA guy to get paid rather than have made fights no, against no, Usyk on a 50-50 no, basis got, and everyone gets paid. Sorry, just stop. How can you make a fight with a guy who won't fight you? We made him offers. He's never made us an offer. So how can you make the yeah, fight? Yeah, but you did piss ball around on that as well. You did have, he didn't you, piss ball you around. Did put, he you said, did put rematch clauses in there you. and then took rematch clauses out and then you put them on, then you took them off and then you didn't want them and then he didn't want them and it got yourself into a bun fight. No, 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 argument. no. It didn't get, what, what, that don't become an issue. There's no big rouse about it. That's like, what, do you want to do it? in the end. I said to Tyson, he kill it and we don't do it. And that was the end of it. And you've heard Tyson going there, sick of waiting for it. He's one of those guys. He'll say what's on He'll wake up that morning and say, I've had enough of this. I want to Yeah, fight. no, I get that. And so, and so you can't, he's not ducking him. It's, it's the most no, ridiculous I statement. I, I, I maintain the view in, a, in the face of a, of a background noise that he is, that I don't think he is. I don't think he's the easiest to deal with. But I guess that's a that comes with. But they don't deal with him. I I deal with. You deal they with, deal him. with us. Yeah, I understand and that. Say, and and Krasik himself, it's not hard dealing with, with Frank, and George. It's not hard. These are his words, not mine. You go and check them out. You know, I like him. It's not. Good. It's not hard dealing with. Him. What is what was what the problem was, as we've discussed in great length, is what was going on. And the expectation level of a big show in Saudi in December, which I never thought was going to happen. And you know, not unfortunately, I was proved right. Tyson, I just want Tyson to move on from silly social media outbursts, silly observations all the time that go from one extreme to the other. If we've got to have, and I want you to, and I, and I want you to say it, this, this fight that he's having in Saudi is purely and simply just a money deal. That's it. There's nothing else behind it. He's just getting paid. That's it's, a, it. it's a huge part of what it's about. It's the only part, the Frank. No, it's not the hey, only come part. Come on, it's the only part. No, it's not. We are working in a new market in Saudi that's being delivered. It's huge. Right, they deliver. How can you just disregard that? I'm not we're disregarding. Working, it. We're working with 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 people who have stepped up to the plate and said, "This is what we'll do to make it work to start with," and that's what we've right, done. So this is the that's gateway huge. then. So fantastic. This is the gateway then that opens the door to proper fights. Then is it? Oh, I hope so. We all get let Tyson Fury get paid a big bag of money, knowing what it is, which is a money fight. But it's a gateway, and we've got relationships now where the proper fights that everybody wants to see. Tyson Fury being are more likely to happen as a result of these sort of things happening first off. If Tyson comes through, and which he Usyk, will, and if Usyk comes through, which I don't think he will, then there's a great opportunity to make that fight then. And your man's in a great vein of form. He's been unbeaten. And I'm the last person to defend Anthony Joshua. I get vilified by his camp for constantly calling him a flat track bully. But I can understand his strategy. I can understand the fact that he's gotten he's gone in against Usyk where your man hasn't done that yet. But in recent times, your guy's in such a vein of form. If I'm Joshua and I've had the, the challenges that I've had and all of a sudden the, sh the gloss has come off me a little bit and the people are starting to point their finger at me and all the high tides, all the high tide that I've created economically in the division is now having a backlash on me, I'm not going to fight Tyson Fury until I'm good and ready. I'm going to be the best version of myself. That would mean I go in with a new trainer I, uh, yeah, and... and do a job on Jermaine Franklin, which he didn't do, which tells me that he's not going to do much of a job when he gets against Tyson Fury if he ever does. But I would be taking another fight in the middle of it before I got anywhere near one of the big guys, whether oh. it be the guy that your guy dealt with on three occasions, Deontay Wilder, 
or whether it be Tyson himself. And if you were his promoter, you'd be saying the same thing. No, I wouldn't. I'd, I, I, no, I would not. I'd make him fight him. Because I've got to tell you, he's liable to get beaten by anybody. I know you think that. I'm, I'm right. Yeah. He, he's liable to get beaten by anybody. He hits him on that chin, he's going to go. He, do, he As he's throwing a shot now, you watch him. As he's throwing a punch, he's, as he's, he's a big puncher. As he throws it, he's he wants to get out of range here. Because he's terrified of the counter. Yeah, I mean, Barry McGuigan said the same thing. Last year, I think Joshua was right not to take oh, that fight. Oh, oh, oh. And if you were managing Joshua, you'd oh. never stuck him in that fight. I would have. You would never. Frank, two months after being beaten by, by Usyk, with, with, with Tyson Fury... He didn't, take a, he didn't take a belt in that fight. Did he take he, a good he, hiding? He, no, but he took a psychologically damaging outcome. He's he, psychologically gone for a couple of years now. Don't you worry about no, that. I, I, I don't disagree don't with you on that. that. But the point I'm making is... Joshua gets a shot. Well, let's, let's, let's take that to another level. So, Joshua, would you want to see Joshua in with Usyk again? Not particularly. Not particularly. I wouldn't want to see Tyson Fury in with so, Dante Wilder so, so, either. Yeah, and, and I'm with you on that. Although that would be a better fight. But the other, the other side, and so if he's not going to fight for a guy who's got three of the belts and the, other, and the only other belts, WBC, and you don't want to fight him, so what do you want to do? Well, do you think he's going to get any better to take these guys on? Well, that's the, that's that's what that's what they're selling, aren't they? That's what they're selling. That's the bullshit they're selling. Then we'll see, won't we? Yeah. Do you think that that we will get Tyson fighting everyone that he should fight in order for the claim that people make? And I'm in that camp that generationally he's the best heavyweight around. Well, uh, do, do you think we're going to see all these fights? I, I think you'll see some more. But you've got to look at what you've got to look at his legacy up to as yet, and his legacy up to as yet that he went to Germany. And beat Klitschko. And beat Klitschko. And opened the division eight, up for eight, everybody. 18 months before. Yep. Anthony Joshua did Joshua it. Joshua did it. He opened it up. Everyone benefited from it. I remember he had, Joshua, yeah. he had uh, Joshua on the floor in that, uh, when he's fighting. He was, but but more importantly, he went there and done him at his own game, boxed his head off. Granted. I mean, absolutely. Granted. He went to America, another travelling abroad, Granted. fought the hardest, Hitting, statistically, yeah. hardest punch yeah. in heavyweight. Most, probably, most in great inept, probably most technically inept as well. No, I don't know. He, they, not, no, technically, I don't agree with that. Um, and absolutely done a, done a, done a. And all three fights, all good fights. But in all three fights, he won all three fights. Yeah, he, the second one he absolutely destroyed him. He did. The first one he won it and he got a draw. And the third one was a bloody good war. And whatever the technique was lacking, the heart, the desire was there, and he had Tyson on the floor a couple of times in that fight. But in order, and Tyson got up. Yes, I know he did. Did like, get like back like, like Lazarus here, around leg it. Right, no. he got up and done done what he had to do. But the point is, is in order for him, the argument will be based upon the fact that in order for Tyson and for you as his promoter to give him the outcomes that everyone thinks that his talent should de de should uh, yeah. determine, he's got to move on from just fighting one of the top well, fighters. There's only two left. He's only fought uh, one of the who, top who, fighters. Who's, who, he's not fought one of the top fighters. He's fought Klitschko. Klitschko. In, was in, the best in, of his generation. Fine, okay. All right, two then. He's fought two of the he's fought two of the top fighters around in the last five, six, seven years. Yeah. Klitschko that was coming to the end. Deontay Wilder, but in order for Tyson to achieve the outcomes and you as a promoter to deliver that, he's also got to fight Who? Usyk, or do, if it might be Daniel, if Daniel yeah. beats Usyk. But as, as a Brit, I want Daniel to win. Yeah. As a fight fan, I think it's going to be very difficult for him. Um, he's got to fight Joshua if Joshua's still on the scene, if Joshua does a why, number. Why beating Joshua? Is, is that a defining Because fight? I think Joshua's been a two-time heavyweight champion of the world. I think it's a fight yeah, that, 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 that's it like builds legacies, doesn't it? But that, that's, I don't agree with that. It's like saying, you know, when when uh, Larry Holmes fought 
Mike Tyson. Larry Holmes was a great fighter in his time, but when he when yeah, he, but he was, was, was forty odd years of age, yeah, well that's it. And, the, and, jo and Joshua's had the crap kicked out of him in the last few. I mean, he's, what's he had in his last few fights? He's lost what three of them. No, I agree with you. So but I'm, I, I wouldn't call. I'm, it, I'm just trying to. He's I'm, not a I'm legacy trying to finish off the legacy thing with Tyson Fury by saying Usyk could be still around. Usyk and Joshua at this moment in time are the two names that we're talking about that have resonance attached to it. Zang, because he's already fought Zang, Zang, Zang and Joyce. And Zang and Joyce, yeah. right? And 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 do you believe in your mind's eye that he's going to that all of those fights are going to be made? I believe they will be made if he wants to carry on fighting. They'll be made. Absolutely. In the meantime, he's got to, he's got to keep, keep. I don't want him being out of the ring until if if this thing wasn't happening in Saudi, this great event in Saudi, which is going to be the biggest event I've ever been involved in. If this wasn't happening, he won't be fighting until next. We all bear some money won't coming be fighting in until next next March. There's a lot of talk about legacies. And your mate Carl was throwing them around about legacies the other day, and you'll probably agree with this one because he was criticising Anthony Joshua's legacy. But for you, what defines a legacy? What as a fighter? Yeah, as a fighter, um, I think willing to fight who's ever around, the best that are around, and willing to step up and do it. And uh, and and I think Ricky Hatton has a legacy because he stepped up and fought everybody. He was he's actually in a in an era. Where there was two really good fighters at their best, in, in Pacquiao and Mayweather, and Mayweather, yeah, yeah. I think in another era, and he fought them all. Yeah, and he fought them. So then the question is, if Tyson retired tomorrow, how would you define his legacy? I'd, I'd define his legacy. Is this the guy who wanted to fight everybody? They wouldn't want to fight him for the reasons we've explained. And if you look at the look at the others, uh, Naz, Naz wanted. You know, there was no problem with Naz. We made Naz with with everybody who was around. Um, the same with Kawasaki. Mm. For everybody, when you look at your time in sport, in this sport, what are the things that you've done that made you most proud? Funding all the MRI scans for boxers, right? Because the board at the time couldn't afford it. Being involved with lots of fighters, giving them a legacy, where they've done well. Like Nigel Ben in his book said, "He should never have left me." He come back, by the way. He went and then came back. So I've had some fabulous nights in boxing, some great times. I've met some interesting people. I mean, I, I, you know, I got invited the day after Sugar Boy Malinga beat Nigel Ben. Nigel Ben. I got an invite the next day to go to meet Nelson Mandela, and then I'm sitting in his house with his boxing lunatic, complete boxing nut in his house in Joburg. Where's this? Come? I thought it was a joke when I got the call and get there and sit down with him. It was, and he's probably one of the most impressive people I've ever met in my whole yeah. life. Last question for you, Frank. When you look at your life, and and you look at the career that you've been on, what do you think your legacy is? And how would you like to be remembered when you eventually stop doing what you're doing? You're going forever. You'll outlive all of us probably, but the question still abounds. What do you think your legacy is and how would you like to I'd be like remembered? I like to think that I made, I, I made the sport, I opened it up for other, for, for other promoters, which also opened it up for boxers to get bigger purses, made it more competitive. I like to think that I've helped to make, help fighters on their journey to secure themselves financially and, to, and fame and fortune. I like people who hopefully think I do care about the sport. I do care about the sport. And personally, I I, I, I want to be, I've always, to, to friends, been a good friend and to, and being a good dad. That's all I care about. I mean, you know, and that's as good it. as it gets, isn't it? That's all. As long as, as long as everybody around me who I care about are happy, the ones who don't care about me, I can get on with it. I don't care. 
Frank Warren, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being so upfront with me. It has, thank you. (laughs) Upfront with me, Simon Jordan, is brought to you by William Hill. Future episodes can be found on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly.